0: The 10% Happier podcast has one guiding philosophy. Happiness is a skill you can learn. Hosted by Dan Harris, a journalist who had a panic attack on national television, he then set out on a journey of transformation that he describes in the best selling book, 10% Happier. This year, he celebrates the 10th anniversary of his pursuit of meditation and mindfulness. On the podcast, he will revisit interviews with Deepak Chopra, Joseph Goldstein, and other experts in the field of mindfulness, the goal is to help listeners achieve peace and happiness. Think of listening to 10% Happier as a workout for your mind. Find 10% Happier wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Science of Happiness is proudly brought to you by the John Templeton Foundation, funding research and catalyzing conversations that inspire people with awe and wonder. Discover the latest findings in neuroscience, cosmology, and the origins of life at templeton.org. Support for the science of happiness comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you can get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it, Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com/happiness. That's O-D-O-O dot slash happiness. Pause for a second. Now take in a deep breath through your nose. Hold it. And then breathe out through your mouth. We breathe in and out over 20,000 times a day, but we rarely notice it. I'm Dacher Keltner, and this is the Science of Happiness. Today we hear about what happens when we try to pay attention to our inhales and our exhales in really different environments, like at a truck car wash, by the beach, and by a freeway in Los Angeles. I've meditated in one of those locations, and you can guess
1: which, but our guest Nadia Kim tried all three for our show today. You weren't on the freeway. No, 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 I would never do that. In LA, never. That's just asking for death.
0: (laughs) We'll also learn what happens inside our brains that makes us feel more calm and relaxed when we pay attention to our breath, even when we see really horrible stuff. We put them into
2: this fMRI scanner, which we can use to image the brain.
0: There's probably no act as simple or essential as the act of breathing. The influences of our breathing are deep, altering things like blood pressure and vagal tone, but it's so basic we rarely think about it or what's affecting it. Our guest today, Nadia Kim, has thought about it a lot. Nadia is a professor of sociology and of Asian and Asian American studies at Loyola Marymount University and the author of Refusing Death, Immigrant Women in the Fight for Environmental Justice. She tried a mindful breathing practice in three really different locations throughout Los Angeles to see how they would affect her ability to pay attention to her breath. Nadia, thanks for being on the Science of Happiness. Thank you. So for our show, you tried a mindful breathing practice where you slow down, really pay attention to your breath. And your first stop was outside a truck washing station near the biggest port in all of North America. Lots of freeways, lots of trucks, and very high asthma rates.
1: Yeah, the city of Carson, yeah.
0: Tell us about the context.
1: So I decided to go to a place where it wouldn't seem really strange if people saw me with my eyes closed, breathing (laughs) deeply for 15 straight minutes, which is actually a very long meditation for me. I usually meditate half that amount. Yeah. And so I decided to go to one of the elementary schools featured in my book. Nice. Because it is nestled within that vortex, as you mentioned, of oil, the port, Hmm. freeways, and then all the other ancillary companies that have to develop to support the movement of all the goods you and I buy or all the oil you and I use, right? So truck washing companies, right? Plastics companies, oil storage, right? I mean, it's it's endless, right? One of the businesses that has polluted polluted the elementary school is a truck washing company right next to it.
0: I have to ask you, Nadia, I mean, this is one of the foci of political protest is that, you know, the pollution caused at a truck washing station. It's your research. And yet you're doing a mindful exercise right next to it. What was your mind like during the practice?
1: My mind was a little addled, I would say, because I kept thinking about Okay, should I be here? <laughs> Am I looking like an idiot? You know, so my mind was a little bit addled in the beginning, and then I would get a little bit distracted by the kids. But after a while, I finally got into the depth and intensity of it and the rhythm of it. And then mm. that's, I think, why when I completed it, I didn't have those thoughts about all the knowledge I have about that particular area and of Carson and the conditions. I was really more in the zone.
3: Yeah,
0: interesting. I mean, because it's so deeply related to your work, it gives you a little break. Yes, exactly. So onward on your tour of mindful breathing throughout the L.A. area, (laughs) you decide to do your next mindful exercise near a freeway. Yes. What was that? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Are you safe? You weren't on the freeway.
3: No,
1: no, no. I would never do that. In L.A., never. That's just asking for death. (laughs) But I was right next to the 405, which is arguably the busiest and most famous freeway in L.A. And I parked myself at a gas station in my car, and I had my windows open. And this meditation was very distracted, and there was a lot of interruptions because... First of all, there's a lot of noise. Noise pollution, right? And I thought to myself, if I had to hear this all the time because my house and my window are literally a 1,000 feet, you know, from the freeway, and then you have to hear on top of that probably three to four times the number of rumbling trucks, then I have to hear trains. And then I had to hear all the construction noises because there's often a lot of construction in and near freeways, oil refineries, ports, et cetera. It would drive me crazy, right? So that was one of the first thoughts I had. The other thought I had was that I noticed that the air closer to the freeway, it felt warmer and thicker And then research supports that, right, that if you're even within one mile of a busy freeway, your chance, not just at asthma or bronchitis or cancer, but actually heart disease, raises exponentially. right? So the air just felt warm and thicker and a little bit less breathable, if that makes sense. So it's kind of very similar to in Carson. Towards the end, there was kind of more of a white noise, sort of a sensibility to the freeway traffic, and even the rumbling of some of the trucks, right? Because the trucks that were rumbling across the 405 right there are coming from the port of LA and Long Beach. So I was definitely mindful of all those things, but towards the end, I was able to kind of tune it out and... Focus mostly on my breathing, so even though I didn't feel as good as my other meditations that I normally do in my life, I still felt relatively lighter.
0: you know, one of the things that we often underappreciate about just the the difficulties of finding happiness is when you live in urban environments or places where it's really noisy and the air's polluted, it's just hard to find physical health just because of those conditions. So then you finally did what most people would probably do, which is you went to a beach. And and you're going to tell us that it was horrible. (laughs) What what happened at the beach?
1: No, it was amazing. It was relatively empty that day because I went at an off time. There were some distractions with some of the beachgoers that were really close to me, or they would walk by, and I was afraid they were kicking sand in my face. And they did a little, but, you know, again, if you're there for 15 minutes and those are momentary, it's just the incredible sea salt air, which feels mm. cleaner and is cleaner, right? You're right at the shore. And so it's very easy to be lulled by the sounds of the waves mm. and the ocean and the seagulls. And and again, those are the sounds I usually associate with meditative sounds.
0: I'm so grateful for how you approach this because this is really... A lesson for today, right? I mean, here in California, we have fire season and smoke and yep. increasing pollution and, and hot temperatures. This is, you know, climate crises are here and
1: drought. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: drought. We need to practice mindfulness. What did you learn about doing the mindful breathing exercise in these three really different contexts?
1: I think what I learned is that so much of the power of meditation is stopping your regular routine. Mm-hmm you know, just interrupting the drill and just taking the time out to be as present as possible. And the reason I say that is because I was in very noisy, distracting contexts. And yes, those were not the most successful meditations. But in the end, even if it was just in the last few minutes or so, I did feel calmer amidst the chaos. (laughs) (laughs) So I do think that a major portion of it is obviously the focused breathing. But if I would sort of think more broadly, I also think it's the focused breathing outside of the daily, regular, monotonous pedestrian routine because in the middle of my work day, when I'm sitting on my couch working on my laptop or, you know, I'm in my car driving, yeah. I do focus breathing, but I'm also doing other things, right? Like driving or, you know, I'm still thinking about, you know, kids or dog or whatever. So I do think it's that stopping completely yeah. and doing the focused breathing under those conditions That, I think, is the most important.
0: Absolutely. You know, Nadia, I'm really struck by two things about your freeway experiment. You know, and one is it really seems like noise costs people, right, and the opportunity for happiness and what a compelling observation that is that you're offering. And then the second, though, is that it was still possible, right, that you could, even in Mm -hmm. that context, you found a little moment of repose. How do you think about that?
1: When I am able to feel good and focus through the meditation, I'm reminded of how we have bodies and even if we can't always control what's done to them, say, you know, we face disproportionate environmental hazards, we still have the ability to choose What we're going to do with our body, and by that I mean also our mental and emotional states, not just the physicality of the body, right, as a way to cope or as a way to manage the stressors of urban life. So the breathing, the closing of the eyes, the attempt to kind of clear my mind or at least be non-judgmental about what was going in and out of my mind, I think was a really deep reminder of... How can we take care of and cherish our bodies and exert some kind of control of our communities and our lives through, you know, our bodies and our feelings? Mm. And so, you know, that's what they do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nadia Kim, thank you so much for this really interesting experiment in mindful breathing. And what an illuminating tour through three different contexts in Los Angeles to think about.
1: Thanks for the great questions. Take care, Decker.
0: So we're going to go over how to do the mindful breathing practice that our guest did today. Our senior producer, Shuka Kalantari, will give us the rundown. Hey, Shuka. Hi, Decker. This is a really straightforward practice from the Greater Good in Action website. What do you do?
3: It's pretty straightforward. There are some more complex mindful breathing practices out there where you're breathing in through one nostril and out the other. But the one that Nadia Kim did is pretty simple. You sit in a comfy position on a floor chair, Close your eyes or soften your gaze. And just pay attention to your inhalations and exhalations. Try to relax your body. So drop the shoulders. Mm -hmm. And if your mind wanders, that's fine. It's totally natural. It's just our brains. Just keep going back to the breath. Like, don't be mean to yourself about it. The goal is to do this practice 15 minutes daily for at least a week to really get into the rhythm of it. But honestly, like I'm stoked if I do it for 5 minutes once a week because life.
0: Have you tried doing this in unusual places? Like I always try it like, you know, when I'm in traffic or waiting in line, you know, somebody's fumbling for change to pay for a grocery bill.
3: I once did it in the bathroom of a restaurant when I was having a panic attack. But <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> it, it made me not panic. <laughs> there we go. I found it as a really good just tool in the moment, if I'm feeling stressed, just to recenter on myself.
0: You know, it's interesting, Shuka, I used to have a lot of panic attacks too, and that's where I really learned about the benefits of this kind of practice, is like just calming the body down. And the science really converges with that, that, you know, just a little bit of mindful breathing has a lot of different benefits for health and happiness really dramatic study a couple of years ago from Munich, Germany, put this to the test when they taught university students to do some mindful breathing. And then they showed them some really disturbing images. Pictures that nobody
2: would not care about, like pictures of car accidents, of dead people, of threatening violence. Oh, my God. I know.
3: More on
0: why they did that and what happened after this break.
1: Through conversations with investors and entrepreneurs, Unseen Upside by Cambridge Associates explores the human impact of investing. Season four focuses on exciting healthcare advancements promising to improve outcomes and create resilient patient-centric systems blending technology and compassion. Meet the minds behind innovation shaping the future of medicine from drug discovery to the role of AI. Uncover the Unseen Upside. Available now. Do you ever
0: feel like you and a friend are speaking past each other? Or that you're not sure how to break out of a rut? I'm Shankar Vedantam, host of the podcast Hidden Brain. We explore questions that keep you up at night and provide answers that are grounded in rigorous science. Join us each week to explore your hidden brain. Welcome back to the Science of Happiness. I'm Dacher Keltner. We're talking about mindful breathing today, how to do it and why to do it. What's amazing is that this simple method has been linked to lower levels of stress, reduced anxiety, and a stronger ability to regulate your emotions. Researchers at the Technical University of Munich in Germany really put this to the test by showing students some horrible pictures. Pictures of car accidents, of dead people, of threatening violence. So these are really terrible pictures. Ansem Dole is the clinical psychologist who led this study. He and his colleagues wanted to see if mindful breathing could help people better handle seeing the images.
2: We brought 26 healthy young students into the lab and we taught them this basic technique of attention to breath.
0: Students were taught how to focus their attention on how they inhaled and exhaled simply observing the breath. And at the same time, you want to be non-judgmental with everything that happens in your body during this process. They left the lab with instructions to practice the mindful breathing technique once a day for two weeks, so they could really get the hang of it. And then after these two weeks,
2: we put them into this fMRI scanner, which we can use to image the brain. We can watch the brain at work.
0: This is where the pictures come in. Half the group was instructed to do the breathing practice while they looked at the photos. The other half was told instead to just watch the disturbing photos like they'd watch TV.
2: Once everybody was done, we asked them to rate how
0: strongly they felt negative or positive
2: towards these pictures.
0: No one liked the images, but the people who focused on their breath didn't have as strong of a negative reaction to them. When Anselm's team analyzed the fMRI scans to figure out why, they found that part of the brain that processes emotions in response to threats, the amygdala, was connecting to another part of the brain it normally doesn't connect with, the prefrontal regions, the ones that help us get through tasks in everyday life. So these prefrontal regions, they are
2: used for tasks where you need to focus on, something like cooking or building something, wherever you need some form of control or focus.
0: There's usually a divide between this emotional part of the brain and the task-oriented part but not when we're breathing mindfully.
2: When you do attention to breath practice, these two regions, they talk to each other much more. So this interconnection between the region that you use for focusing on a task and perceiving your own emotions, it helps the amygdala to understand that there is no real threat right
0: now. Ansem says one explanation for his results could be that focusing on their breath distracted people from the disturbing photos. They were thinking about something else but there's another possible reason. The other one could be that people were
2: more focused on their own emotions and were more accepting towards their own emotions while watching these pictures, were more involved with processing their own experience. And if you have more attention for their own experience, you have maybe also more compassion with yourself or you can more relate to what is going on in your brain and in your body. And so then this is not as threatening anymore because you understand that this is just a picture in front of you and you are still in this other position so that the threat is actually outside and not so strongly inside your body. So it helps you to
0: relax. On our next episode of the Science of Happiness,
3: I was at a gig that I wasn't stoked about, and (laughs) sometimes you have to, like, be somewhere you really don't like to be at to realize, I really love that person that's not here right now. (laughs) And so I told him I loved him after that gig.
0: We look at what happens when we imagine life without someone we love. I'm Dacher Keltner. Thanks for joining us on the Science of Happiness. What did playing look like for you as a child? And as an adult, how do you play now? Share with us by emailing happinesspod at berkeley.edu or using the hashtag happinesspod. Our senior producer is Shuka Kalantari, sound design by Jenny Cataldo and Ben Manila of BMP Audio. Our associate producer is Haley Gray. Our executive producer is Jane Park. Our editor-in-chief is Jason Marsh. The Science of Happiness is a co-production of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and PRX.